Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, July the 19th, and I hope this finds you and your family doing well. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, and we've been taking larger sections of Scripture of the sermon and, and examining them and looking at that for what would it be that the Lord would be teaching us here and now through His Word. We're going to continue that today. We're going to look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to focus on verses 9 through 13. Of course, a very familiar passage, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Listen as I read from the NIV. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You know, we assume that we know the Lord's Prayer because it is prayed so often. It's prayed in worship services and in the daily prayer times of of individuals and families. It's prayed in the locker rooms of high school sporting events and college sporting events. It's even in the light of some humorous stories. Um, You know, like when I was a child, there was a brief part of my childhood that I I remember thinking that the deliver us from evil could possibly mean that Satan himself had made me and placed me in my mom's stomach. And that was the reason I needed deliverance. So, so much grace I needed. It's easy to forget in the context of all those things that this prayer was first given to the church in the very larger view and larger context of the Sermon on the Mount. And that it would have been incredibly shocking to those hearing it for the very first time. See, Jesus is on a roll in Matthew 5. He's he's already turned upside down our world and inside out. He's, He's turned our notion of happiness and morality completely on its head. Apparently, those who are blessed or joyous or those who are struck or persecuted or grieving, maybe even trod upon. Our acts are not considered moral, quote-unquote, when we do the right thing while overcoming our desire to do the wrong thing, but actually when we do the right thing precisely because that it is what we desire to do, only through the Holy Spirit can that happen. Well, now Jesus enters into a prayer in which he seems to be continually praying for God to return, for God's name to be hallowed, God's will to be done, and God's kingdom to come. And then for the strength to carry the commands Jesus has given earlier in the sermon. We're to forgive our debtors rather than being revengeful on them, whatever their offense against us maybe has been. If there's any doubt, if there were any doubt that about the revolutionary nature of these teachings, All we have to do is look ahead to the end of the sermon where Matthew adds that the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught as one having authority, not as their scribes. That's Matthew 7, 28 through 29. 
You see, Jesus is doing more than simply repeating tradition in this sermon. And, and most shocking is that he, he seems to think he is God. The followers are not God, but are being sent out like sheep into the midst of the wolves, Matthew 10, 16. This would have all been shocking. These would have been the thoughts of the people hearing this for the first time. But we're sent out to, to be witnesses to this rough and sometimes unforgiving world. Jesus is under no illusion that the things that he is calling his followers, us, to do are going to be easy. It should be a little surprise then that Jesus also teaches his disciples how to pray in this sermon. The disciples who are going to need strength to, to witness to the gospel faithfully. Prior to his death, Jesus sees very clearly the need for, for community, for communal, for institutional support that we all take part in. And he pledges to build his church upon Peter and then the witness also of God of given by the other disciples. And after Jesus' crucifixion, his resurrection, his ascension, you know, his physical presence with us is not going to matter that much because where two or three are gathered, he's going to be there praying with us, praying with them in their midst the whole, through the Holy Spirit. Jesus shows us that in order to continue this witness, there's another thing required of the disciples. They, they, they were going to have to draw strength from the, the divine, from holy God. And, and that's going to happen often in secret and quiet places where they focus on, on God and, and the Father alone. And if they don't do this, if we don't do this, then our witness is going to be hindered. It's going to be handicapped. You see, private and personal prayer is, is nothing new to, to the disciples, given that they were some of the, the Jewish faithful. The Old Testament is full not only of of references to people who prayed very devoutly throughout their lives, but also by all kinds of prayers. You see, there are prayers of praise, prayers of lament, prayer of petition for strength and wisdom, prayers for blessing of children. It was the nature of Jesus' prayer in which he shockingly referred to God, not only as the Father, but as the Father of us all that would have, would have drawn audible gasps from the listeners. And we can tell from later passages that listeners were already shocked by the authority that Jesus assumed. Now, now he's calling God Father and having called us to be his followers, bringing all of us along on this trip as adopted kids through our faith in him. That we can come along as, as God's children and that we are to pray this prayer or in the view of, of some, to at least pray like this, along this journey of life, along this discipleship growth, has led some theologians, some scholars, to, to part with sort of the tradition and, and, and actually name this passage the disciples' prayer. After all, they, they argue, we are the ones who will be praying it. We are the ones who stand not only in constant need of God's power and grace, but also in need of this continuous reminder continuous reminder of, of our need, of my need, especially in light of the status we live in as the post-crucifixion, post-resurrection, post-ascension people. But we can be assured that we are indeed given this grace and power 
You know, my my own my own confusion about the prayer as a, as a kid has served to motivate me to to look at this prayer, to examine it, and and for kids and adults alike, it is it's all there. Everything is there. First of all, identifying ourselves like Jesus does as God's children. You see, that's our identification. That's our real identification. Secondly, asking for God's forgiveness for my debts, my trespasses, my sin, and then for the strength to forgive others as they've done that against me. And then finally, asking asking Jesus and asking God for deliverance from evil, which doesn't mean that all of us are created in hell and quote-unquote delivered to earth by Satan himself, some like some stork, but that God will give us strength to, 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 be, to, to have our motivations align with our actions of goodness and to not give in to the temptations of Satan, to the evil one. It's almost like a devotional use of the Lord's Prayer. It, it's in line with Jesus' presentation in the Sermon on the Mount. And it's in line with this, this vision of life, real life, new life, not life 2.0, not better life, but new, addition, completely new life that's presented in the book of Matthew. You see, in Matthew, Jesus gives us the church where, where we come to be strengthened through through prayer, through gathering together, through fellowship, singing, hearing the gospel proclaimed each week. And also this daily, this private prayer is so necessary to preserve the, the lifeblood, the vitality, the liveliness of our witnesses, our witness, excuse me, as believers who, though we're part of the body of Christ, we're, we're, we gather to scatter because we're dispersed throughout our town and our community and our state and the world each week to bring the light of Jesus to the darkness. Here's I read from Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 and 6 and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of, and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever and ever. Until we're together again, May God continue to hold us all in the hollow of his hand. Amen. And God bless.